prophet and tell you that it very well could be by this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't see how that could happen. Well, see, that's the problem right there. You don't see how it could happen. Because you and I, we can't see it. We can't believe it. And, you know, this steward who he basically was like, there's no way that could ever happen. The prophet looked at him and said, so tomorrow when this happens, you will die. You will be trampled by the people who will be running to get this food. Now, think of the scenario that sets up in Scripture. All, so they get this whole thing set up. You know, the, the prophecy's been released. And, you know, what we tend to do is we start thinking, okay, so what's God going to do? Rain man out of heaven? Or is he going to cause you know, flocks to come in of, of birds, or how is he going to, how's he going to make all that happen for us? We, that's how we think. We're like, you know, is he going to cause that another nation's going to rise up and give us food? What's, what's going to happen? And here's what happened. Four lepers, four people that were outcasts. This is all in your Old Testament. Four people, men that are outcasts. They're starving to death. They're in the worst of conditions. So let me tell you that sometimes in the worst of conditions, people will use people that are even worse conditions than you to be your rescuer. Isn't that powerful? And so this, these four lepers who are outcasts have nothing to eat. Nobody will help them. Nobody will talk to them. Nobody wants anything to do with them. They're sitting and they say to themselves, why are we sitting here till we die? Let's get up and do something. Let's go Let's go to the enemy's camp. We know they've got food. We can smell the bacon over there. We know they got stuff happening in their camp. Let's go just see. And you know what? Look, if they kill us, what do we have to lose? We're going to die anyway, so what's the big deal, right? We're going to die anyways. We have no place to turn, so let's just go ahead in and take a risk. Let's take a big step of faith here. Let's go into town. So they get up. They start walking into town. Well, God takes the sound of four lepers who are dragging their feet along on the ground and he begins to make that sound like a whole army is coming into the enemy's camp. And whenever they get into the enemy's camp, the enemy has been so afraid of what they heard. They thought, Israel has risen up against us. We're in trouble now. Judah has come, and now we're going to lose everything. And so they, all of a sudden, they get up, and the army begins to go into chaos. Fear sets in. And they all begin to run, and they abandon everything. There's food. There's, there's chickens still cooking on the fire. There's a side of beef over here cooking. There's, there's bread cooking in the oven. I mean, there's food everywhere. And there's this whole enemy's camp is totally abandoned because they all took off, running. And here come the lepers walking in. Can you imagine what's going through their mind? What, what is, they didn't hear the prophecy. They had no idea that they were being used by God. They didn't hear the sound of their dragging feet turn into the sound of a mighty army. They didn't hear any of that. God didn't give them any of that. But what happened is they go into this town and they see that all this food is available. And man, it's party time. Man, I'm glad for party time, aren't you? They have party time. I mean, they're eating. They're devouring. They're, they're just like, oh my goodness, this is so great. We got all this stuff. This is, we're so blessed. This is wonderful. But then after they've eaten for a while and they filled their bellies, they started thinking about the people back in town that were starving. Now, people that had rejected them, isn't that powerful that these four lepers who were outcasts 
become the deliverers, and then they don't, who people wouldn't have helped them, but they're going to help people. And they turn around and they begin to, they put the word out. They say, look, there's food available here, come and get it. Well, the steward who's on his way, of course, he, he's like in disbelief that it's actually true. He gets trampled along the way. So my point with this is that suddenly, suddenly things can change. Say that, suddenly things can change. Okay, now, I want you to look at this Malachi. You say, why'd you have us go there? Because that's our verse. Malachi 3.1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly, everybody, if you underline words in your Bible, just underline the word suddenly. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So all of a sudden he's saying, look, this is what the one you seek will suddenly appear. And some of you even have in your translation of your Bible, that's what it says, is that the one you seek shall suddenly appear. But I want you to notice here that it isn't just that suddenly he shall appear, it's the one you shall seek shall suddenly appear, okay? So I want you to just with me for a minute think about this in the story of those four lepers, that the children of Israel were seeking an answer. There were things that they needed to get themselves ready for. There were things that they needed to do to prepare for their miracle to come. And so they had to get themselves ready to that, that, an expectation. They were expecting something. Now the steward, he's expecting nothing, and he got nothing. There's an old proverb that says, those who expect nothing shall not be disappointed. They shall not be disappointed. But those who have expectations, see, what has the enemy tried to do in your life to get you to stop expecting? To make you think that this illness, this problem, this difficulty is terminal. It's going to be the thing that takes you out whether it's financially or family or whatever. But see, that's what the enemy wants to do is to put in your thinking that this thing will never change. That even if God were to come down himself, it's still not going to be any different. It'd be the same because there is anything God could really do about it. So the word suddenly in the Webster's translation uh, dictionary says happening unexpectedly, changing angle all at once. Marked by, by, marked by abruptness, brought about in a short time. Brought about in a short time. So my point with this is, is that, look, suddenlies have for pe- happen for people that expect them to happen. And suddenlies don't happen for people that don't expect them to happen. That when you and I have an expectation in our life, when we are looking, when we're expecting, when we, when we have that perspective and we're preparing ourselves, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, we're preparing ourselves for that. You know, all of us, we want easy answers to stuff. And I'm not, I want to tell you, I'm not giving you an easy answer to this. I'm not giving you an easy answer to your problems. But I will tell you this, that those who have expectation have miracles happen. Amen. 
Those who have expectation, those who believe in suddenlies, experience the miraculous. So there's, four, there's five things I want to talk to you about that we need to do, and we'll go through these quick, okay? And then we'll go eat lunch. Praise the Lord. The first thing for us to experience suddenlies in our lives is we got to tune in. we got to tune in. God is speaking. God is speaking. But are we listening? You know, on a radio dial, you only got to be off just one little bit to miss out on what's being said. I have this radio in my garage. It just just ticks me off. I probably ought to throw it in the trash. But I always have hope that it's going to do what it was created to do. But I put it on a channel, and I get a radio station in that I want to listen to, and it always seems to drift off that station. Things that, I don't know what's doing it, I don't know why it's happening, but for some reason I can't keep that station locked in. Perhaps it's just the environment that it's in. Perhaps it's the atmosphere that's around it. Perhaps it's got, maybe it's just got something wrong in it. But here's the thing. If it's just off a little bit, it's enough aggravation that I can't focus on what's happening. And so what I've got to do and what you and I, what we have to recognize in our lives is is that, look, if we want to experience suddenlies in our lives, we've got to get tuned in. And God is speaking. I'm not just talking about, look, he's speaking in your Bible. He's talking to us through the word. That's true. And I believe that with all my heart. But I'm telling you that if you will tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying, God is speaking in a powerful, awesome way. I think at times what happens, you've heard me share this before, we're so caught up looking for the spectacular, we're missing the supernatural. There are things the Lord, you know, we're just looking for something spectacular to happen, and instead God is moving and speaking supernaturally to us. You know, instead of now today, instead of one confirmation, we want five confirmations. And then we want to hear it again. And then we want to hear it. Look, God is speaking. It's not up to everybody else to hear from God for you. It isn't your pastor's job. It's not any of the staff's job. It's not even the elder's job. We're here to help you. We're here to guide you. We're here to encourage you. But it isn't anyone's responsibility to hear from God for you but you. But you. But you got to take the time to get in the presence of the Lord, to, to listen to his voice, to tune in to what he's saying. You know, in Matthew 3, 17, it tells us that God spoke and he said, this is my beloved son, but not everybody heard that. Not everybody in the crowd heard that because they weren't tuned in to what God was saying. And sometimes what ends up happening for us and, and this is a real difficulty, but we, we just have to face this. Sometimes it's our own beliefs that are stopping us from hearing from God. It's, our, it's the way we're believing. It's how we're looking. Because here's what we do. We take our beliefs and we tie them to our past, our experiences, our disappointments, our emotional frustrations. And so we tie all that in, all our beliefs. We say, well, that's what the Bible says, but... I know that's what God can do, but, but pastor, you haven't gone through. Pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. Pastor, you haven't seen my kids. You don't know the financial. Look, all of us could put a big butt at the end of every statement we say about God. But here's what we have to learn from the word. That it's our own beliefs that are our limiting factor. 
It has, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us. The longer that we keep prolonging it, blaming God, blaming others, blaming whatever the circumstances in our life, it will be the longer that it will ever take for us to have, to have our suddenly in our life. Because our very belief will say it can't happen. Case in point, what happened to the steward? His belief caused him not to receive. His belief that it couldn't happen. See, by this time tomorrow, see, I, I get it. I, I understand that, 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 look, we got all got disappointments in our past. We got times we were believing God and it didn't take place. We have, you know, I sowed and I didn't receive. I blessed and I didn't get blessed back. But look, here's the thing. Just because that was then, that is not now. Stop letting your past define your faith. Let the word define your faith. Let expectation build. Let your thinking, because here's what happens to you and I. If we don't let the word, if we, don't, if we allow our past to define our faith, we become cynics. Yep. Yep. See, and I realize that there are folks here watching online, even here locally, that when I say things like, well, look, by this time tomorrow in your head, you're going, yeah, right. Right. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But here's the thing I know from the word of God. God is true to his word. And when people expect miracles, they receive miracles. Those who put their faith and hope in God, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Incline your ways. Incline all your ways towards him. And look, he will give you the desire. He will move in your behalf. But you and I, what we have to do is we got to tune in. His voice is speaking. But are we tuned in? Are we so caught up looking for super, the spectacular, the, the astounding that we're missing out on all the supernatural stuff? And the great story about that, you've heard this one before, was the guy whose the flood came and he was on top of the roof of his house and he started to pray and he said, God, send help. And a guy pulled up in a boat and said, hey, I'm here to help you. And he said, no, I'm praying to God for help. Praying to God for help. A little bit later, a helicopter flew over and said, hey, we're here to help you. Get on the ladder. We'll rescue you. And he said, no, I'm waiting on God. And he drowned. He got to heaven. He said, God, I expected you to do something, and you didn't do it. He said, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What was your problem? See, we look for, you know, what did he expect? God was going to bring his hand down and lift him up out of there, levitate him across the flood? or Look, he was going to rescue him. That's what happens to God's people is, is that we get looking in the wrong direction. Look, it's not about where it's coming from. Who cares how it gets here? Just let it get here. Amen. I just need a miracle. I don't care how it comes. Let it come however. If it's got to come through a doctor, let it come through. I don't care. Let it come. Let it come however it's got to come. But I need a miracle. I believe in God, and so I'm going to stand in faith and let it come. I'm, it's not up to me to define how my miracle comes. Stop trying to write how your miracle has got to happen for you. Hallelujah. Tune in. Number two. Be vigilant. <laughs> oh, man, this is really good. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We'll give you a formula here for those of you that like uh, 
formulas. Matthew 8. All right. I got to find it myself. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 8. And uh, all right. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, underlying great storm, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? What did I do? Not tell you where to look? Sorry, Matthew 8. 23, 24, that area. Yep, sorry. Sometimes I get too excited about what I'm trying going to say. All right. Saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said unto them in verse 26, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? So write, underline the words little faith. Then he arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Underline the words great calm. See, we have to be vigilant, vigilant, excuse me, because great storms are going to arise. Great storms. All of us here, we have to know in ourselves that we will all face storms in life. Business storms, finance storms, family storms, health storms. We all face adversity in this life. The only place you'll never face adversity is when you get to heaven. See, the world that you and I live in, even though Jesus has provided a way for us to operate Contrary to the curse, the curse still exists. He didn't eliminate the curse. He bore the curse. Big difference. Those who believe on him can, by faith, believe to reverse the curse, to change the curse. But the curse still exists. It doesn't take long in this world if you abandon your faith and abandon your hope in God for this world to just suck you right into it to pull your life down to nothing. The curse exists, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the redemptive power of Christ gives us the power to overcome the curse. Through Christ, we can overcome all things. Thank you for your amens. Now, through Christ, we can overcome all things. You say, well, pastor, I don't know. There you go, steward. I don't see how it could happen. See, that's what happens. we got to be vigilant because great storms will arise. But here's the thing. We have to meet them with great faith to get to the great calm. Well, pastor, can't God just, why didn't God just stop it all? Why didn't he just stop? If he really loved me, if he really, really, I mean, if he really, look, if God really loved you, he'd just kill you right now. Right? He'd just take you to heaven because there's no problems there, right? But see what God does, <laughs> just take you out. And you know what? I've heard people, good Christian faith-filled people that have said, I'm just praying the Lord will take me because I don't want to deal with this anymore. Well, how is that any different? It's not. It's not. See, what God wants you to do is he wants you to have great faith to meet the great adversity to get to the great calm. Those who have great faith will experience great miracles. Those who refuse, those who refuse to develop great faith in their life. You say, well, Pastor, how do I get great faith in my life? 
You're vigilant at it. You work at it. You develop it every day. How is faith built? It's built day by day, moment by moment, second by second. How is good health built in our lives? It's not built in a day. It's built every day. We take care of ourselves. We eat right. We train. We develop. We discipline. We do the things that are necessary. And guess what? We get the reward. But it doesn't do any good for us to complain if we're not getting the reward, if we're not doing the work. I'll just let that set in for just a second. It's easy to complain. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair that you get that. It's not fair that you have that. It's not fair. Look, fair has nothing to do with it. I work for what I get. I earn what I get. I earn my keep. I work for it. I work for my health. I bust my something (laughs) to get it. Amen. I don't get to eat ice cream every time I want ice cream, but I might have some today. (laughs) Yesterday, man, I'm telling you, you know how suggestions work. We were driving through Ithaca. (laughs) It was really bad. And I, they, uh, is it, I forget, Apple Barrel, is it called? Yeah. On the sign. Cider slushies and donuts. And, man, I looked at that, and all of a sudden I was jonesing for cider slushies and donuts, man. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I bet they've got those um, cinnamon donuts in there. Man, I bet they're really good, the big glazed donuts. I probably, but, I, but, but, but look, I'll only, I'll only get two, okay? And so I looked at Sharon. I said, do you have any cash? And she pulled out her money. She says, I have four bucks. I said, honey, um, that's not enough. I don't think I can get a cider slushy and two donuts. And of course, you know, Sharon's going to have some too if I'm going to. If we, follow, the follow the leader, that's right. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I said, you know, thank God you talk it out because I said, you know what? I don't, I, I don't need any cider slushies and donuts today. That would be good and I don't need that and it's not good for my health. And Be vigilant. What does vigilance mean? Vigilant. You're looking. You're constantly working at it. You're not giving up. Amen. Great faith leads to great calm. Great faith leads to great calm. Great storms are going to come. Great faith is what's got to meet them. Don't, here's, and I'll move on. Don't wait till the storm comes to try to develop great faith. Develop great faith before the storm ever comes. Amen. All right. Number three, be prepared. Be prepared for what God wants to do through you. There are suddenlies that God wants to do in yours and my life that he wants to use us to cause to take place. It says in the book of 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1, you and I are stewards of the grace of God, that there is a grace that is in our lives. As we are faithful, as we are faithful to what God has given to us, as we are preparing ourselves constantly, you know, I was, I was a Boy Scout, and our motto was, be prepared. I don't know what the Girl Scouts' motto was, but I know the Boy Scouts was, be prepared. Always preparing ourselves for what could happen, what we may face, getting ourselves prepared. That's one of the things I love about D- Dave Ramsey. Look, 
the, the program he teaches because he taught us to put $1,000 in an emergency fund that you do not touch unless you have an emergency. It's not a go on vacation fund. It's not a slush fund, slushy fund and donuts. Amen. Does anyone feel compelled to go get me a cider slushy and a donut? You're just thinking about getting one for yourself and then getting one for me though, right? Because that's how we work. But no, look, that money, it sets there. And it sets there, and it sets there. And then when your water heater goes out, you got the money to pay for it instead of reaching into something else to pay for it. Now look, that's a powerful, what are you doing? You're prepared. You're prepared. The Bible teaches us that the horse is prepared for battle. We do that. But the victory is the Lord's. Okay? What do we got to do? Get prepared. If you want to suddenly, you got to get prepared for a suddenly. Amen. We've told people, you believe in for kids? Start buying kids stuff. Get you a little bassinet. Get you a little crib. Get you, start building the room. Start getting things ready. You believe in for a husband or a wife? We'll start thinking about what you want. You want this any old thing. Well, do you? You want a good-looking man, amen? You want a good-looking guy who loves God with all his heart, loves you, God, more than he loves you. You want a, you want a woman who's consecrated, who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who believes in the same things that you believe in. This is good preaching, Pastor. Well, you need to get your prepared list out. This is what I'm believing for. Those who have no expectations will not be disappointed. Get the list. Dr. Cho told this story. Uh, it's a powerful story. This little girl was like, I'm believing for a husband. And, and, and Dr. Cho said to her, okay, so what are you, what are you believing for? And she said, well, um, she says, I don't know. He says, well, if you don't know, how does God know? <laughs> so he said, make a list. So she started writing her list. She came back to Dr. Cho, and this is really something. She was a, you know, she was a Korean. She said, I want to marry a white man. She said, I want him to love God. I want him to make this much money. I want him to be all these things. She had her whole list that she made up, okay? And uh, Cho looked at that list, and he said, all right, I'm going to get in agreement with you that that man's going to come. So this, this little girl, she wasn't, she was kind of, he said, in Dr. Cho's words, not my words, she was kind of a plain young lady. And he said that, you know, so he didn't really expect, I mean, he expected it, but he didn't, you know, it was her faith, not his faith. So he's just agreeing with her. So she gets that list, they agree together, he goes through the list with her and says, all right, I'm in agreement with you. And he said, well, it wasn't just a short period of time, this white missionary came to work at the compound there where they were at, and of all the young ladies that were in that compound, he bypassed all of them and went right after that girl. Faith attracts. And look, I'm just telling you, don't leave it open. Don't leave it. You know, when I met Sharon, she, I had a list. I had things I was believing for. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. She hates that when I say that because she's like, you're making me live up to it. But, but look, I saw her and I said, God, she meets this criteria, this criteria, this criteria, this criteria, and I want her. He said, well, she has something to do with that, you know. Yeah, I know, but that's, I'm just telling you that's what I'm believing. I'm asking you for favor, God. Help me to be able to have her. And I did that on June 27th and July 24th. She proposed to me. No, I mean I proposed to her. I'm sorry. <laughs> July 4th. Yeah, just a week later. 
You say, well, will mine come that quick? I don't, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it happens that fast. The thing is, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Get yourself prepared now for where you want to go. Get yourself prepared financially for where you want to go. That's when suddenlies come. That's when they begin to happen. Number four, get ready. Get ready for what God wants to do in your life. There is a demand that God is going to put on your, your anointing of your life for miracles, and they're going to happen when you least expect them. So get ready. Get ready. You're anointed. 1 John 2.20 says you are anointed. What are the two things the anointing does? Destroys yokes, lifts burdens. Destroys yokes, lifts burdens. That's what Jesus taught us. You're anointed to destroy yokes and to lift burdens. So, well, I just don't know, Pastor. I don't have a Bible edge. I don't care whether you do or don't. It, the, that isn't what he said. He said, you're anointed to, to break yokes with that anointing and to go forth and to lift burdens. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth when his anointing with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus had an anointing. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why would God not call you and I to do the same thing with the anointing he's put on our life? He didn't give us the anointing so we could have chicken skin in church. You know, the bumps. So we could have a gooey-gooey feeling while we're in church service. That's not what the anointing is about. The anointing isn't about you and I feeling good or feeling better. Or, or The anointing is about us going and taking the tangible presence of God to a desperate world that needs to experience a real God who does what he says he'll do. Amen. You're anointed to do that. You're anointed. Look at your neighbor and say, you're anointed. Well, I don't feel very anointed. That's because you're in your feelings. You're not in your word. And I know that's strong, but look, I love you. I want to help you. You're in your feelings. I, there are times I get in this pulpit, I feel, look, I don't feel anointed at all. I feel like going home. I feel like taking a nap. When I was in uh, Bogota last year, we we're just getting ready to take a group here in August. And last year, you know, when I got there, they said, now, Pastor, we're going to have you teach, you know, you teach like... <laughs> four hours in the morning this one day, and then you'll teach four hours the next day, and, and that'll be it, and you'll be good. So I get to Bogota, and I've got material prepared, you know, to do what I need to do, and here's how many hours I taught, 26 in one week, 26 hours. And I'm going to tell you that there were mornings that I got up, and I didn't feel much anointing until I had at least three cups of coffee. <laughs> how many of you have ever been there before? I mean, you know, you got to go to work. You know, when I go, look, for, you know, preaching is work for me. That's a work. It's a thing I got to, that's my, that's what I do. That's where my anointing is. I have to work that in my, I have to release that. And man, I get out there and they're like, you know, and I didn't go, well, Pastor John, I don't feel like I can teach that much. I said, all right, bring it. Let's go. Let's do it. Because, see, I know that if I will do what God called me to do, the anointing will always be there. I never got tired. I never got sick. The kids, the young people that were there with me could testify to this. Man, I was a preaching machine for 26 hours. Amen. Glory to God. And, you know, they've already told me this time, well, you're going to be teaching two days, you know, doing a leadership meeting while you're there. And I know that's a lie. 
<laughs> I, I know, but it, it's the thing you won't find out till you get there. But who cares? Because you're always anointed to do what God has called you to do. Well, I would pray for the six if I could feel that I had the... Look, the Bible says in the book of Mark 16 that if you're a believer, you're anointed to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You're anointed to cast out devils and they got to go. You have that anointing in your life. You're anointed to speak in tongues. You say, well, I'm just waiting. You know, I'm just, just praying for that God will give me tongues. It's already there. You're already anointed to do that because you're a believer. Just release it. It's there. It's there. Hallelujah. Get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? There are times, you know, when Jesus was walking down the the street and that woman with the issue of blood grabbed hold of his hem of his garment. He never even saw her. But he knew somebody put a demand on the anointing. He knew that something had gone out of him. Would you as a believer knew something went out of you? Are you even in a place in your life where you're letting what God has put in you the opportunity to come out of you? To help people, to encourage people. Say, well, that's my, that's what pastors do. That's what elders do. I don't know who told you that, but that is a flat out deception. That is not true. The body of Christ is all anointed because guess what? I just said it. They're the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. I don't care if you're a toenail on the body of Christ. You're anointed as a toenail as part of the big guy, Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. No, that's you. Get ready. There are demands, I believe, in the days that are coming that you and I are going to have tremendous demands on our lives to pray for people to, to be used in the miraculous. We've got to be ready. Sometimes our suddenly comes as we're helping someone else get to their suddenly. You know, some of the greatest financial miracles Sharon and I have had in our lives came on the heels of us helping someone else. When we stepped up and we helped someone through a difficulty they were going through, all of a sudden our miracle manifested itself. I was thinking back about this. This, You know, I had really, this has happened a couple of years ago, and some of you will remember this, but I had really struggled. Our ministry was really struggling with what do we do? Our, you know, our finances aren't increasing. We're, we're, as a church, we're just, we had two, three properties. We had this property, we had the Wheeler property that, up the road that we ran our helping hands through for years, and then we had the property in Breckenridge. And we actually, you know, we, 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 we actually had offered to sell those properties on a couple. We had tried to give it away, one, one of them away one time, and they wouldn't take it. And I was like, Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to guide me. Well, I can't say that I all of a sudden heard a voice from heaven and God spoke, but I was talking to this one man, and, I, and while he and I are talking, I, he's telling me about how he's homeless now. And he's a, he's a good mechanic, and he's homeless, and he, he needed a place for his family, and he was like really didn't know what to do. And, and, uh, and his, uh, so I said to him, I said, well, look, I want you to go look at this property, Okay. And I want you to go down, I want you to look at it, and I want you to think about, is that something that you could use in the future to be able to help you do what you need to do for your business and for your family? So he went and looked at it, called me back up, 
And uh, he said, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. He says, but I don't have any money. I'm home. I, I, don't, I don't even have a place to live right now. And I said to him, I says, well, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. How does a dollar sound? He says, are you, and I think it was like, I think we had five acres of land there too. And, uh, and I said, how does a dollar sound? And we had put a lot of money into it, but look, it was a property we weren't using. It was a property we had no future plan for. It was a property that was, all it was doing was pulling resources from this, from our, our, our overall financial picture. So, you know, we were paying to have the lawn mowed. We were paying to upkeep the building so it didn't fall apart. We're paying to keep, every, we had to pay sewer there. And uh, yeah, so we don't have to pay taxes, but, but yeah, sorry. But, you know, it was just taking from the resources. And he says, are you serious? I said, absolutely, one dollar. I said, get out a dollar. I said, you got a dollar, don't you? He goes, yeah, I got a dollar. I said, well, give it to me. I said, shook his hand and said, done deal, sold. We'll get the paperwork all drawn up and get it over to you. Get it transferred into your name. Well, he was super, he was just like overwhelmed. You know, he was so blessed. And so then the, within just two weeks, Mike, two weeks, I get a call on the phone from Lux Funeral Home. And Lux Funeral Home calls me up and says, hey, look, we, we know you own this building in Breckenridge, but have you guys ever thought about selling it? I said, well, what are you guys thinking? And he said, well, we're thinking this, you know, we would buy it for this much money and we'd like to go down and look at it again and walk through it. And I said, okay, well, we can make that happen. So we got them down there and they walk through and they start looking at it and they go, yeah, you know, this will work for what we want to do. This is the kind of property that we need. And look, they, so, so I said, okay, well, let's talk price. So we haggled over the price, finally got it to where we wanted it to be. And it paid off all our debts. It put us in a cash advance overnight, all of our financial situation. Now I stay with me for a minute. All our financial situation turned, but here's the powerful thing. Now they have a first class facility now down there with their funeral home. And uh, you know, we just got, and I go to the, I talk to them all the time. I say, I, I say, man, you guys really blessed us by helping us, you know, when you bought that building. And they, this is what they say to me. That was a first class building. We are so grateful you sold it to us. Hallelujah. It's a win-win. Amen. But here's the thing, and I think I've talked about this a little bit. Our church finances, the church, regular, we didn't grow any people. We didn't have any new people come in. At that point, our church finances jumped 20 to 30% every week, income. Overnight. I can't, I can't explain it. I mean, I, like I told a couple of my pastor friends, I said, you know, I don't get it. I said, because we didn't do anything different. I didn't get better at receiving offerings. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, everything just, it just turned. Everything's paid off. We're debt-free. We got cash in the bank, and people are giving way more than they gave before, and I, don't, I can't explain it. And, and look, it doesn't matter. I don't need an explanation. Just enjoy the benefit. Amen. See, I'm telling you that when you want something to happen for you, help it happen for somebody else. Find somebody that you can be a blessing to. And when you become a blessing, giving that property away broke our financial, broke us to financial freedom as a church. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? You got something you're going to say or are you just praising the Lord? Yes, yes, that's exactly right. 
paying more money than what we were asking. So see, you know, that's, that's, I think those are the kinds of things we have to recognize in our lives. Be expectant. What are you looking for? Acts chapter 2, all the disciples are gathered in the upper room, right? And then they were already told. Jesus told them already. Look, go wait, and it's coming. The power's coming. The Holy Ghost is coming. You're going to get filled with the Spirit. You're gonna, it's going to be awesome, guys, but I want you to wait. 120 of them in the upper room. 120 of them. That's all that was there. 120. I mean, if I said that, well, look, we're going to go do Super Summer Sunday, but tonight at 6 o'clock, the power of God's going to hit this place. So I'm going to be back here tonight at 6. I wonder how many would come back. Because uh, I know when we try to have prayer meetings and get people to come, we might as well be pulling their teeth. Because see, what's happening is we're busy and we're not expecting. We're allowing life to run us ragged. And we're not expecting what we really want. And that is the power and the demonstration, the miraculous, the suddenlies of God to take place in our life. How serious are you about receiving your suddenly in your life? If you want it to come, you're going to have to do the part. What if those disciples would have said, well, he told us the Holy Spirit was coming. Ha ha. But I got something I got to go to. And I got something I got to do. And I got a place I got to be. And so, you know what? He'll just have to fill me while I'm at the ball game. I got to, you know, see Spider-Man coming home or whatever. And so he'll just have to do whatever he's going to do then. See, this is the, the, and I'll finish, I promise. This is, the, this is the dilemma about suddenlies. If we're not working towards our suddenly, our suddenly's not going to come. It's just not going to come. You say, well, I thought God loved me. He does. That's why he prepared a way for you to get ready for your suddenly. Amen. I had one guy, one guy had told, the, told this to, he had come to me and said, you know, I'm, I need a job. I said, okay, well, let's believe God. He said, okay, so I said, how much you believe in for? How much, what do you need financially to have that? Well, I need this amount of money. I said, okay. And I said, uh, where would you like that job to be at? Well, I'd like it in this area. I said, okay, so I'll get in agreement with you, but here's what I want you to do. Now, listen, I want you every morning to get up at 6 a.m. I don't want you staying up till 1 a.m. playing video games. I want you to get up at 6 a.m. I want you to get up, brush your teeth, take a shower, I want you to get up, eat your breakfast, and I want you to get ready like you got a job already. Well, why would I do that? Because you're showing God you're serious about your miracle. You say, well, I don't know that I need to show God because God already knows my heart. I know that's what people will say. Well, how about you seeing your heart? How serious are you about your miracle? Huh? How serious are you about your health? How serious are you about the financial turn? Get in this financial piece. This will help you. I mean, it'll tremendously. There hadn't been a person that went through financial peace and serious about it that their lives were not totally, they paid off every credit card debt that they had. They, a lot of them paid off their vehicles already and are on their way to putting aside monies in the, into their savings to have six months, three months, six months of income set aside so that no matter what happens in life, they always got that money sitting there. Come on. Why? It's not about proving to God that you're serious. It's about proving to you that you're serious. Stand with me if you would. That might help me stop.
Hallelujah. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. This week, some of you, just go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head with me. This week, some of you are going to have the opportunity, if you expect it, and are open to it, to pray for someone, to pray with someone, to talk with someone, to share your faith with someone, to encourage someone, to bless someone, to help someone. This week, maybe even by tomorrow, things that have looked like there was no way they could turn around could miraculously turn around for you. It's obedience, it's expectation, it's preparedness, it's looking, it's being ready, it's all those things. Are you ready for your miracle? Are you ready for your miracle? Like the woman with the issue of blood, we press in. We have to do the pressing. We have to do the waiting. We have to do the praying. We have to do the believing. But like the woman with the issue of blood, we press in. Like the blind man waiting patiently, we press in through the crowd. We don't allow resistance to stop us. And suddenly, a sound from heaven. Suddenly, a sound from heaven. And God moves in your behalf. My prediction this week is for some of you here that earnestly hear what I'm saying, your suddenly is on its way. Your suddenly is on its way. Your suddenly is on its way. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and just begin to thank him. I want to be ready, Lord. I'm going to be ready spiritually for what you want to do. I'm going to be ready in my soul, Lord God. My body, I'm ready, God. I'm going to do what I got to physically. Lord, I'm ready for the miracle, the supernatural, suddenly in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Suddenly, suddenly a sound from heaven. Suddenly, a touch from God. Suddenly. We press in. We press in. And all God's people said, Hey, God bless you. Come have lunch with us today. We're going to have a lot of fun in the park. We'll see you down there. Don't forget your kids.